It's 2022. We've arrived. This is the first podcast of the new year. I'm hoping to reset, get back on schedule. I'm Trishna Begum, and this is On The Story, where I interview the people you see on the news, the experts, the newsmakers, even the reporters, and you get to hear their full interview beyond the soundbite and hopefully learn a few things. So this week, I'm chatting with Rod Griffin. He's the Senior Director of Consumer Education at Experian. That's the credit monitoring company that you've probably heard of. We're talking to Rod about finances, how COVID and holiday shopping impacted your budgets, and the tools that you need to be financially literate and take a little bit of control this year, and also how to better plan. Let's face it, 2021 was a doozy of a year, so who knows what 2022 will hold. So here's Rod to help explain some of it. Rod Griffin is the Senior Director of Consumer Education at Experian. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. Tell me a little bit about what you do. My job is to help people understand better how credit reporting and credit scoring work and how they can empower themselves to use a credit history to improve their financial health and well-being. I get to help people every day. That's my job is to help people understand if they've had some troubles, what they can do to make things better. If things are going well, what they can do to keep things going well. Um, but it's it's really about helping people understand something that can seem very intimidating and very confusing. Uh, and it doesn't have to be. My goal is to help people be able to walk into a lender and tell them, give me the loan I want because I know I qualify because I know exactly what you're going to see and, and I'm doing the right things. Yeah, financial stability can go a long way. It can make your life a lot easier. It certainly has not been an easy year for a lot of people with uh, the pandemic and a lot of unknowns. I know Experian has been doing some studies kind of looking at the trends uh, that consumers have been dealing with. Um, What is one thing that really stood out to you, whether you looked at consumer behavior from this past year or what? they're planning for in 2022. And I think planning is the key word. Um, Nearly half of the respondents said they're already planning for next year. And that's a good thing. Uh, They're looking at what do they do in 2022 uh, and still have a good holiday season. But at the same time, they're telling us they're more stressed about holiday shopping this year, uh, in part because of COVID but also in part because of the increasing costs of of, things that are happening, the end of uh, some of the government stimulus programs. So there are a lot of stress on consumers this year around how they manage holiday shopping and holiday expenses and still have a good 2022 uh, to be sure that they enter the new year in good shape. Are they stressed because there's not enough money or they're stressed because they're not finding things that they want to find or they're paying too much for things. What, what is causing that stress? Yes. All of that. Um, You know, so it's, it's a little, it's a combination of all of those things. Uh, We're seeing supply shortages. We hear about that every day. So people aren't finding things they want to get. We know that things are more expensive than they were just a few months ago, so the dollar isn't going as far. Uh, We know that people are looking at how do I travel and afford fuel costs that have been going up considerably. So it's, it's a combination of those things. How do you set expectations in a time that's been really very uncertain for a lot of people? Uh, and you know, as we, we still are working through uh, the COVID pandemic, 
and how we cope with what that implies or imposes on all of us and you know, the, the issues that we face there around our health. Do you travel and how do you plan to travel? If you're going to fly, are you comfortable doing that? And the costs have gone up and, and there's uncertainty in whether you can get where you need to go when you need to be there because of the changing schedule. So it's a, a different sort of year, but at the same time, people are optimistic and they're telling us that they're, they are planning for next year. They are expecting to pay down credit card debts in 2022, which is the most important thing other than paying your bills on time. But paying down those credit card, card bills is the most important thing you can do to help your credit scores and to reduce your, your stress level for most people around debt. Uh, credit card debt can be um, kind of sneaky in the way it comes on and you realize you suddenly have more credit card debt than you, you can manage or are getting close to that. So you need to be engaged and people are telling us they're engaged in managing their finances. So that's a positive from my perspective. That being said, what is your advice to people who are trying to manage their money better, going it coming out of a year that's kind of been all over the place and then going into this new year where we're not really sure what's going to happen? Being prepared is essential. Being knowledgeable and informed is critical. And that's the thing that that's part of why I have my job, right? It's, it's to help people understand how to prepare themselves and to be informed. I always encourage people to get their credit report. It seems maybe obvious, but most people don't. The majority of people, if you ask, did you get your free credit report this year? will tell you they haven't. And, you know, it, I, I ask groups when I speak to them that question, who's gotten their credit report? And I see the heads drop and shaking close their eyes. No, I don't want to see that. <laughs> that's the wrong answer. You know, you need to get that report. That's a, a basic financial resource that everybody should know and understand because it affects so many aspects of your life. You need to know what's in your report because you'll know where your debts are, who they're with, how to contact those lenders. It's usually not as bad as people think either. So you can go to annualcreditreport.com. You can get a free copy of your report. You can know exactly what's in it. And if you find things you believe are inaccurate, you can dispute them, contact us, and we can help you contact the sources of that information and resolve those issues. Today, you can even take action to add positive information to your credit report. And people don't know that, you know, that if you are beginning to build credit for the first time, or if you've had some issues and you're trying to help your credit scores get better so that you can gain access to lower cost financial tools, you can have your cell phone payments added and your utility payments added oh. and your streaming services added to your credit report, uh, your pay positive payments. So uh, through something called Experian Boost, uh, which is a, a new service, it's a per free permission-based service and you go to experian.com slash boost and tell us which accounts you pay those through. And you can tell us, I want you to add my positive cell phone payments or I want you to add my positive natural gas bill or my positive electric bill payments or my Netflix payment, you can add to your credit report. We've been doing that now for about two years. And what people are telling us is that their scores are improving if they have a thin credit file of fewer than five accounts generally, or scores of less than 680. We're seeing an average of about a 19 point increase. So it's not insignificant. Interesting. Didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. If you didn't pay them the collection accounts, late payments, the negative information could be there. You know, If you're paying them on time, you're not getting 
the, the positive impact for responsible payment behavior. Sure. So how do we help people to add that? And that's what we did with Boost. So let's say somebody takes a look at their credit report, sees all of their debts. Um, I'm sure that can be overwhelming for a lot of people. How do you wrap your finances around that? Do you at all talk about budgeting and where to even begin when it comes to budgeting? And your credit history is part of that budgeting process. You need to know how much is coming in. You need to know how much is going out. You need to know where it's going out to. And the credit report's a key element of that because that gives you that foundation. It gives you a complete record that's right there at your fingertips. From there, it's a matter of figuring out what do you go after first, if you Mm -hmm. will, if you're trying to reduce your debts. You you have to pay all of your debts on time, at least the minimum due. That's rule number one for good credit. Rule number two is reducing the debts you owe in credit cards are what we call revolving accounts, utilization rate or balance to limit ratio, lots of big terms. But what yeah. that means is, you know, are your balances high compared to your credit limits? So okay. are you maxing out your cards? And the lower those balances are in your credit cards, the better. Uh, if you can pay them off in full, that's the best thing you can do. Uh, easier said than done, especially around the holidays. So starting small, working on you know, one account, that you can then pay down. And as you pay it off, you can then put that payment toward your, your next account. You know, th- that's kind of the real key is start small. Don't try to you know, lift the world. It'll take time to, to change things. Take small steps. Are millennials bad at budgeting? Do you have any numbers, research on that? Uh, what have you looked at in terms of trends? What we know is that but Gen Z has told us that they have a harder time with holiday shopping. Gen Z, uh, 18 what? to 25. 18 to 25. Okay. Roughly. So and then after millennials. millennials. Yeah. So then millennials are roughly 25, 26, right in the mid to late 20s to almost 40 now. Yeah. Uh, and then, so millennials are getting old. Who knew? I'm in that group. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm in the next one. I'm in Gen X. So okay. I, I am old, not just getting there. Oh, I am. Yes. So it's, so, you know, they, they, it's Gen X and then the baby boomers and then the right. silent generation. Right. So uh, what we know is Gen Z, the youngest generation, they tend to, they tell us that they struggle to do that holiday shopping comfortably because primarily they don't have much history, right? They have, they're generally the newest to the job market, mm-hmm. lowest income, probably have student loans if they went to college. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they're understandably impatient, but they also are doing the right things. I mean, their, their credit scores are doing okay for where they are. Uh, they're not becoming over indebted, although it can feel like that to them. Uh, you know, when we're young, we all want things to happen fast. And yeah. it's just, a matter of time. Uh, millennials are kind of following the same pattern that we've seen for the last two decades. We've done a survey called the State of Credit. And I've been with Experian, this hurts to say, almost 25 years now. Okay. So we've kind of watched that grow over time. And there's been a pattern that the older people get, the better their scores become, in part because their their financial obligations tend to change and their income levels tend to improve. And so they're able to better manage and they're more active in their finances. 
Uh, yeah. you know, so when we're seeing millennials now, early on, they were very reticent to take on credit cards, didn't enter the credit card market. They were later coming to the market than other previous generations. Now they're having families, they have homes, they're now very engaged in the credit marketplace, and they're much more cognizant, I think, of, of their overall financial circumstance. And we're seeing that change. Gen Xers, we're a little older, we're moving toward retirement. We're looking at how we manage our finances. We're often empty nesters. And just for the record, kids are worth every penny, but man, are they expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Don't I know it right now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they go and they they come back too, just so you know, I'm actually leaving for my grandson's college graduation this afternoon. So um, they they tend to come back, but you can send them home again, which is kind of nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But they, you know, they, when the kids leave home, your expenses tend to go down and you're able to better better manage those finances. Mm -hmm. And you've also built a history and you have time. Uh, And so we see that. And and that's been pretty consistent. Uh, And we're seeing it now with Gen Z. It all falls in line. And and obviously, the more you grow, the older you get, the more you learn about money and and how to manage it better. For those Gen Zers, what do you tell them? What is, I mean, it's hard to, as with any advice, you know, you can say it all day, but what have you seen that, you know, when they hear it, it really sticks with them in terms of, you know, take control of your money now, it'll, it'll really help you in the long run. The advantage for Gen Z is that they have access to more information, vastly more information, more easily through technology than any previous generation did, mm-hmm. uh, except maybe millennials. You know, they're millennials. You know, I was, you know, I was telling my kids the biggest difference between me and my youth and millennials and Gen Zers is that they have better toys. So the technology is better. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was in high school, the cell phone came out, but it was the size of a brick and had a big long antenna, and the, all you could do is talk on it. <laughs> so now. Gen Z, you know, the, the the young adults are using their cell phones for everything but talking. They're accessing finances. They're looking at things like cryptocurrency. You know, that was nothing in my imagination when I was that age. Right. Um, you know, financial systems are actually part of the lexicon. They talk about those things. There is more financial education in schools today than there was 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Still full, still woefully too little, but Gen Z, um, another example, my granddaughter is a senior in high school. She came home and told me she was in a financial education class, a personal finance class, and asked me about credit because they were talking about it. My first exposure to credit was when I applied for a loan to buy a used motorcycle after I graduated from college. The banker said, just a minute, I have to check your credit. And he just left me standing there at the counter. And I wonder where he went. What 20 minutes credit? later, he came back. Yeah, what's credit? I have no idea what he's doing. He left. I don't know where he went. He came back 20 minutes later and said, your credit's good. Went, oh, good. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it's, it's they're much more exposed. And I think that's a great thing. They yep. think about money differently than we did when when I was that age. 
it seems like the the younger generation gets a bad rap because either they're spending it on things that they don't need and the older generation is like, ah, you know, they can't save. But some of that comes with time and in just what phase of life you're in. So yes, you're right. I think financial literacy and education is so, so important and, and serves you so well. Are there any apps since, you know, this uh, Gen Z and millennials were, you know, our entire lives are on our phones and we use apps for everything. Are there any apps or programs that you can suggest? Of course, I would recommend Experian. Um, sure. We, if you go to Experian.com, you can enroll in uh, Experian's app or you can go online and download the app. Uh, and we have a personal finance tool mm-hmm. that can help you track um, your personal finances. So, and that incorporates things like getting a credit report and you get a free credit report once every month, free credit score. The information goes with that tools to help you plan loan payoffs, those sorts of things. So great place to go along with lots of education. You know, there are others out there. One of the things I always recommend is if you're really struggling, don't be afraid to ask for help. There are great nonprofit credit counseling services, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, nfcc.org. They have organizations and operations in virtually every city around the country, Uh and they can provide objective, non-judgmental guidance and assistance. They have budgeting classes. They have credit classes. Uh, They can work with you on working with your lenders if you need to. So one of the things I find is people are afraid to ask for help. It's a sensitive topic. And, you know, in, in, in where I grew up in the country, it was taboo to ask how much a person made or to talk about you know, the, the the debts you owed or the money you'd borrowed. And that's another thing that's unique to the millennial generation and Gen, and Gen Z is that they flip that around. They just naturally talk about money. They have no barriers to discussing things that I would have considered absolutely off limits. For, Sometimes we know, have no filter. Yeah. Sometimes that's a good thing, though, uh, because it does help be more comfortable with issues that too often people feel ashamed about Mm -hmm. when what's happened is life and we all go through it and we forget that. Uh, So I'm very open about sharing my stories about trading one credit card for another and transferring balances and borrowing money from my grandma, which is the most uncomfortable thing in the world. Um, but I was first job out of college and made the same dumb money mistakes that a lot of people do. Yep. And you know, we, when you know that, it's easier to talk about. Absolutely. G- looking to next year, which is crazy to think it's like, what, a week and a half away. What, any predictions for the year? I mean, it has just been, the last two years has been, we don't know what's going to happen, whether, you know, starting from what was it? 2020 when there was the shutdown and everybody was like, Oh my goodness, what's going on? 2021 was a little bit more, you know, kind of getting back to normal, but obviously everything is still in flux. Do you have any predictions for 2022 in terms of finances? You know, it's, it's hard to look into a crystal ball, uh, especially yeah. these days. You know, things are so volatile right now that it's it's hard to know. Um, you know, we're looking at inflation increasing. Is it transitory? Is it going to stick around? What does that mean? And so it's really hard to say. 
and you know, I'm bad at predict. My predictions are always wrong anyway. Um, you just have to stay invested. You have to stay on top of your finances. The same things that we always recommend are going to apply. You have to set aside emergency savings. You have to have a budget. So people, if you don't like a budget, have a spending plan. But same thing. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, have that spending plan. Should you be saving more? But then that runs the risk of people not spending as much as they might or should. And then that, you know, it wreaks havoc and all those little mm. things add up. So what do you tell people? Do you save more for like an emergency fund or? It's, you have to be comfortable with what you're doing. I think that's the first issue, right? You know, some may save more than others, similar to investing for retirement and investing in a mutual fund or a 401k plan is, you know, what's your level of risk tolerance? Some people may want more savings than others, but you do need at least some amount of emergency savings. You know, often people talk about at least having $1,000. Um, I don't know if $1,000 is going to be enough going forward. It's, you know, you get a fender bender and that's gone. Um, you know, so it's, it's hard to say right now. And yeah. the dollar being worth less than it was just a few months ago, do you need to save more? Probably. Uh, you know, my inclination is to try to save more and reduce your debts. And reducing debts may be more as important, at least, if maybe not more important in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Because if you're not carrying debt loads, it gives you greater disposable income uh, and cash on hand, essentially. That's another question people always ask is, what should I do? And, and they, they want to talk about one thing. And the answer is you have to do all of those things that are related to finance. You have to pay your bills on time. You have to save. You have to reduce your debt. And you can do all of them at the same time, just a little slower for each one. Okay. Rod, anything else that you would like to add uh, as we head into this next year? I always like the beginning of the year going into a new year because if if you find yourself, I mean, anytime is a good time to make change, but for a lot of people, it's that, you know, turning of the calendar, it's a nice little reset. Um, so if people are looking to uh, take control of their finances or, or just be better about it, anything else that you want to add? I think it's kind of like we talked about earlier, be proactive, you know, and, and be purposeful about your finances. There's some, there was some great research around who budgets and how. Oh, okay. And it was one of the most informative pieces of research. One chart that sort of spelled out everything about personal finance to me. And what it showed was that for people who were, fairly affluent, they tended to budget sort of naturally. They didn't necessarily write things down all the time, didn't necessarily use an app or a spreadsheet. But when it came to spending, they knew how much was coming in. They knew how much they was going out. They had a sense of their finances and would then take formal action if they needed to, in order to plan for something larger. Mm -hmm. There was a group then who were less affluent, but were at a point where their finances were enabling them to do more uh, economically and financially. They were comfortable. And so Would that be fair? They were more that? comfortable. They oh. were at a point where they were reaching sort of an inflection point where you know, it was no longer paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. It was the ability to you know, have 
more disposable income. And they, that group was very active in formal budgeting because they were trying to figure out how do I make my dollars get me to the next level? So there was a small group at, at that level. The next step down on the chart were people who were much more marginal. They were truly living paycheck to paycheck, um, not because they were overspending, but because they just didn't have sufficient income. They were worried about putting food on the table. Okay. They didn't budget at all, largely because there's nothing to budget. You know, the issue then was how do we provide job skills and marketable um, training that can help them generate income. But that sliver in the middle is the group that was very purposeful about budgeting and understanding where their money was going, how they were using it. Those people were the most uh, open to education, were very active in seeking resources and tools. And that's the group that was, I think, most important. Uh, and in terms of who we can help right away, right? Because they were ready to receive information. And I think that bit of information was hugely powerful in understanding how we approach different segments of the population. Because you want to get from, I, I don't budget because I don't have the funds, funds I need and the solutions to that category of of consumers is different than I am budgeting because I have more resources financially and we want to help them get to, I just do it naturally. And it's part of my day-to-day life. I think that Um, also goes to show you also have to find what's comfortable for you because different people learn different ways, different things stick with them. So the tools are out there. You just have to, you know, see what works for you. And then hopefully that helps you manage your money better. It's reaching people at the right time with the right information in the right way. Um, And that's really critical. We have to touch people throughout their life and and kind of make it a, a lifelong learning process. Rod, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I like talking about this stuff. I always enjoy talking about money and finances and and what to do better. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. It's, yeah, I obviously have a bit of a passion for it too. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating, interesting, and empowering. And I yes. think that's, you know, that's what's so critical is when we can talk about money and we can talk about credit we can become better at it. And that's absolutely important. Many thanks to Rod. I hope this new year brings you all good fortune. Rod also emailed me a few links and resources. You can find those in the notes section if you want more information. Until next time, stay healthy, be safe. Thank you so much for listening and making it this far.